0: Hey guys, it's Amelia Singer here on Ameliorate Through Wine, where I pair wine to international guests' palettes, personalities, and personal stories. I am thrilled that this podcast is being venuously propelled by the Rothschild Wine Collection from Goodhouse Wadston, all names synonymous with a century-old legacy of art and wine craftsmanship. I really couldn't think of a better pairing for this wine and culture podcast. From the early 1920s to the present day, the Rothschild family's profound love for both art and wine coming together has been at the heart of their journey. Their family's artistic heritage distinguishes the labels, often telling a unique story that gives an extra dimension into their exceptional wines. With handcrafted bottles created by celebrated artists, mesmerizing cellar installations and label artwork produced by members of the family themselves, the Rothschild's timeless commitment to the fusion of art and wine is a legacy that continues to inspire connoisseurs and enthusiasts alike. Visit goodhousewadston.com for more information. So now, sit back, pour yourself a glass, and enjoy. Oh, well, I am so excited to have you guys here. I've got Henry and Ian, the founders of Bosch, which is actually the biggest plant-based online channel in the world. um, they have Their recipes have been viewed by over half a billion people. I'm still, like, trying to compute that. And you've sold over one million of your best-selling cookbooks. And right now, we are sitting at my table in the muse, with some absolutely delicious looking vegan dishes in front of me. So yeah, these are exactly like my kind of guests. So thank you guys so much for coming over.
1: Thanks for having us. We're very excited to be here. Yeah, we really are, actually. And it's a lovely, lovely place you've got here.
0: Oh, it's like, it's cosy, it's meant to be welcoming. It's just like, yeah, this is exactly how um, an ameliorate singer sesh with wine, <laughs> basically, <laughs> is meant to so be. Good. And uh, as you know, I've, like, chosen three wines, but actually, as yes, I've got two guests, I've actually got four wines. Oh, oh even uh, better I know, Fantastic. I know. Because, um, yeah, I tend to have two wines in the beginning to go with, like, more kind of personal background questions. Then have a wine to go with your awesome career. Mm-hmm. And then a third wine, which... It's always like a little bit out there and we'll hopefully go with some of the dishes too but right now i'm of deliberately course. hiding all the bottles so you can't see what i'm doing i also spill a lot so um this is why one like i've never been a sommelier i've done all kinds of things in wine yeah. but hand-eye coordination has never been my thing thank you
2: you managed not to spill any which yeah. is oh, that's impressive very hard. Yeah. So both
1: Henry and I used to work at a hotel in Sheffield. It was formerly the Marriott Hotel, but now it's called the Kenwood Hall. And uh, part of the training that we received when, or I received because I was at the restaurant, about how to pour wine is when you're pouring the wine, you twist the bottle at the end because the the inevitable drip goes round the rim. It's pretty cool.
0: No, it is really cool. It's just... It's oh, just yeah. too much. Oh, yeah. It's better too much twisting. <laughs> to yeah. It's actually that would require too much. But it's very interesting um, that you mention your background and where you grew up, because um, that absolutely has relevance with this particular wine. So cheers, guys. Cheers. Oh, here we I'm go. I'm just going to let you taste and just uh, cheers. cheers.
2: Cheers. Cheers. In the eyes. You've got to look in the eyes.
0: Absolutely. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I'm just curious to see what you think about this wine, which has a really gorgeous red currant jelly color and it's very pale.
2: Oh, wow, yeah, that, you, you can really see through that. Mm-hmm. It's quite light, quite thin. Okay.
1: Yeah, it's really like, for a red, it's almost it's almost like a white wine that's um, got like a, you know, a cordial
2: inside it. Yeah, like Rive, a red yeah. wine
0: cordial, yeah. yeah. No, and, it, and I, I just love how it like glimmers in the sun, like, particularly on the sunny day. Like, oh. But it's meant to be, this is meant to be a deliberately light, refreshing, I've said it slightly chilled, chilled mm-hmm. red is quite popular, yeah. Yeah. I also find chilled reds work with vegan foods quite well, because okay. they have the fruity, they tend to be fruity and light, but you can't have them too alcoholic and big and tannin, so it works quite well. The
1: funny thing about this one, this reminds me of, I don't know if it's the colour, and my brain's just gone there, or if it's the actual flavour, but pomegranate? Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Oh my gosh, that's Very so summery. true. Very it's so summery. Really, really summery. And we're
2: kind of at the back end of summer here, so that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. The is sun's out. So, so why is this relevant to us then? As in, like, like, tell where me, is this it is from—is from, this from Sheffield?
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's from Yorkshire. Yes. Oh, come on, yes. amazing! Yes. I know because like we talked to like we had our like little preliminary chat. We're yeah. like, they make wine in Yorkshire. like, Actually, there's about 16 really good vineyards and about nine really well-established wineries. You can actually... I didn't realise this until this week, so thank you. Um, I Googled, and you can do all kinds of Yorkshire wine trails. That wow. So Starting cool. off in York and going around Yorkshire, ending up... Yeah, no, it looks really fun.
1: And all, Because English wine is obviously getting more and more popular, but usually it's sparkling, right?
0: Usually it is sparkling. That's still the majority. But due to climate change, and also, quite frankly, people getting savvier about what to plant mm. and when to plant, where these guys are based, they've only got... Um, so, just to let you know... Um, um, this is, the winery's called Dunnersford. Mm. Dunnersford. And... Not Dunesford. Or
2: Dunnersford. Is it Dunesford? I don't know. Yeah, oh no, is it Dunesford? Yeah, red is highly Oh, right whoops.
0: Out. Okay, well, sorry, Dunesford. Uh, well, well, I
2: mean, I don't know. No. Just... Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, i yeah. No. Yeah. Dunesford. Ford.
0: Dunesford?
2: Do it in a Yorkshire accent. Dunesford. Well, Tell that one, lad. That's from Dunesford. Dunesford. <laughs> That's him. from Dunesford, lad.
0: <laughs> Listen to him and you can read it in my notes for this kind of <laughs> podcast. Um, what's great is, yeah, so it's nestled in the Vale of York. They have a four-acre boutique vineyard, which has been established by the Townsend family. And I remember, Ian, you saying that you, one of your favorite places for wine and stuff was um, Tuscany. And actually, it was one of the children who went over to Tuscany and was like, oh my goodness, it's amazing, this whole ecosystem they've built Like, as they stayed on this... Uh, this farm and this winery where everything was like organic and had it harvested, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, why can't we like bring this back and do something in England? And they spent ages looking around. Actually, like actually the site which we've been living in Yorkshire for 30 years is great. And it is in this valley. So it is well sheltered, which is really important. And they do have like, like altitude to play with and they don't tend to get that much rainfall Mm. compared to other parts. So, absolutely their sparkling wines have done really really well last year actually they have a, a Queen of the North. a queen um, of the north wow. and that won all kinds of awards at wine gb last year but then they also do some still wine and i really thought it would be cool to show you not a sparkling wine and just to show you the fact that not only can england do still wine but also a red from yorkshire which i think is a delight and it's made from um it says on the label here so yeah the name of the vineyard, which I can't pronounce. And then um, Pinot Noir Prococe, which basically is a mutation of Pinot Noir. So like Pinot, you're gonna be getting those lovely red fruits, it's gonna be very silky. You can see, like it's translucent, you can see through yeah, the glass. It's got a
1: pink sort of hue yeah. to it, really delicious.
0: And also it's only 10.5% alcohol. So again, I don't know about you guys, like when people think about vegan food, but often like when it comes to wine, people are thinking, how do I drink? Or like organically, sustainably, and also like the no and low movement is yeah, really... Yeah, 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 Less of a
2: hangover. Yeah. A little bit yeah. healthier.
0: So, uh, yeah, actually I haven't said, but um, obviously this is from Yorkshire, and then the other three wines will be going around the world, and they all have been, um, you can get them through Liberty Wines, and Liberty Wines is a huge importer and retailer, and they, if you Google it, you'll find it on various online distributors, but it's around £30. Anything
1: to do with Liberty, the department store? No,
0: everyone always asks, I wish they did, but no, sadly not.
1: So, so, so uh, what did you say the family name was? Who, so the, this is
0: the Townsend family. The Townsend
1: And were they farmers who owned the land or did they yeah. acquire land too specifically? No, they actually
0: had, I think, the land before. Did they? But they were like, and they looked around sites and they're like, this is crazy. Mm. Actually, we can make wine in Yorkshire.
1: Because it's, it's really, it's a burgeoning um, opportunity for an awful lot of farmers because we get asked time and time again, yeah. like if some, because obviously, for those of you who don't know, we're plant-based chefs. And sometimes we have been asked, If a farmer in the UK who currently rears sheep, what would they do if they didn't rear sheep? And there is like an outside chance that it could like grow grapes and start making wine because this is proof. I didn't realize that wine grew that far far north.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's crazy. And, and the fact that it's not just sparkling where you like find acidity is great and you don't need, but they also have, I think they make wine from Solaris, which is another great grape. I did have it in the kitchen, but I actually deliberately, and it's great, we can try it afterwards, but I deliberately wanted to show you a red. But I mean, what what they're saying is, you know, what's, and it kind of harkens back to your point, like it really brings people together, like having these vineyards and working with the land. And they actually say they work with over 200 people when it comes to help out on the vineyard every year with right. Harvard and stuff. So it really has become this local community. Um, and they think, yeah, they planted the vineyards in 2016. and It's just got better and better and better.
1: Already yeah. it's producing.
0: Yeah. And actually for this to be good, because Pinot Noir, like you do tend to need about seven or eight years for Pinot Noir vines to kind of develop. and have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But already with like styles like this. And also what I love is on the back of the label, they handwrite what bottle it is nice. out of. So it's, this bottle is 312 out of 1048. That's so it's very
2: cute. Small
1: run. It's so cool. Yeah. And, and like, how do you think that that will age in, um, over the course of time? Because obviously it's 2022 that it says on the label. Do you think it would get better over mm. the course of time? I think this one. So fresh? this
0: one, I think, I think it's. it's I, I try to see how they made it. I'm guessing that it's mainly just been put into stainless steel, so you get lots of fruit, you get lots of the purity of the aromatics, but it hasn't had the backbone of having gone into oak and and being yeah. able to have the structure imparted into it. So I would say to really enjoy it for it's it's just juicy purity, mm. to drink it in the next year or two. Well, yeah.
1: And with regards to the barrels, is it because this is way more cost effective?
0: I think think? it's... I I mean, because they do use barrels for some of their wines. I think the style, it's meant to be light and bright Mm -hmm. and as an aperitif. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they really... um, Once you put things into barrels, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but you do suddenly subdue some of the aromatics and some of the purity of the fruit. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, that was like... A new discovery for me this week. And I must admit, confession on the podcast, um, I have never tasted Yorkshire wine until this week. So,
1: that's the first.
0: Thank well, you, you so Cheers much. To that. So, Cheers thank that. you. I'm now well enlightened <laughs> and I will show you the others afterwards. So good. But, um, Wonderful. So, I'm so glad you've enjoyed this, like, yeah, homage <laughs> to where you both come from. What was your first experience of wine? And like were you brought up with your parents in Yorkshire with wine or not really? I see Ian laughing. Yeah, I mean <laughs> <laughs> Do
2: you know what? My my dad, um Henry here, my dad doesn't drink. So he would never he would never drink wine, but he would always have a tiny little taste. Um but my mum was a big fan of wine. And you know, I I they let me have wine probably when I was about fourteen, fifteen. And would little, you have like
0: family meals and a tiny things? little
2: sip, yeah, with a family meal. But like I say, just with my mum. Um, but it was never really high grade wine. It was always quite basic. So I think my appreciation of wine has been more in the last 10 years since we've been cooking and grown a bit older and more mature. Exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I giggled to begin with because I'm trying to think, I can't think of a very specific uh, time that that I can remember, but I reckon it will probably be me getting very, very drunk on wine that I shouldn't have been drinking. That was probably a little bit too cheap. Well, I can, I can <laughs> I tell you it wait. was white lightning. It wasn't wine. No, you know, it, was, <laughs> it, was, it was cheap cider for a pound, a big yeah. bottle. Um, but we yeah, like Henry says, yeah. <laughs> we were from Sheffield, you know. you drink that in the park. Yeah. Uh, but as Henry says, like, obviously, we've been cooking food now for about eight or so years professionally. Yeah. and I think the more food you cook the more appreciation you have of flavour and also, I don't know about you guys but the older I get, the less I tend to drink so when I do want to drink I want to drink something half decent so you yeah. get to really understand that wine can be absolutely delicious and there's like loads of different differences it's not just a glass of white wine there's, there's history there there's like a lot of you know development that's gone through like from people that really care so yeah, wine is definitely a journey I'm glad to be on
0: And I think food, as you say, is a natural... We're going to talk a little bit more about your uh, amazing stellar career in food. But I think, just like quickly, just to say, I think food is a really natural entry point because you guys love combining different cultures and different cuisines with your food. And I think food is quite boring. And same thing with wine. If you don't really know more about the culture and the history yeah. and the heritage, like it just like it just like really adds to it, and mm. it's and I think particularly with wine too. Otherwise, it's just like an alcoholic beverage, yeah. you know. And actually, when you like again like the stories, like imagine bringing that bottle around to your mates and just be like, yeah, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, but oh yeah, but right, There's two ways to do it though with wine. I think there's two ways to do anything in life. You can just go, all right, lads. There's some wine. Great. And then we're like, oh, girl, well, let's pour the wine, yeah. let's drink it and then not think anything of it. Or you can like turn it like, into a, fun a bit story, of yeah. Yeah. and you're like, you're popping it down. It's like, well, you know, this is brand new. Uh, these vines weren't even in the ground in 2015. And here we are drinking the result of them because they were planted in 2016. And uh, it's from Yorkshire, where we're from. And then, you know, a conversation can develop from it. And yeah, a passion could, can, can bud and form. Well I like saved. that.
0: I love, like, the button forms, yeah, the yeah. vine. That's, like, oh, that's so nice. Um, so, obviously, your cooking is now vegan, and it's always been really, like, vegan, even though you guys didn't start off that's right. as vegan. When did, you, when did that turn happen?
2: So, we've been, well, we've been mates for decades. We've yep. known each other since school. But um, we, we happened to be working together and living together, uh, like, ten years ago. And that was around the time when... Um, Nobody really knew that there was a link between what we ate and climate change, but people knew climate change was a problem.
0: Mm. So we were
2: kind of wound up by that. We knew that we wanted to try and do some good in the world, but we didn't know what it was. And then we watched this film uh, called Caspiracy. We I'm discovered not sure if I can watch that. No, maybe well, there's no cruelty in it, but it just makes you aware of ultimately what goes into the food and what yeah. emissions food creates. And we both went on a journey after that as mates and went vegan. Ian was first, I was second. And I think we realized this was something we wanted to share with the world. We weren't preachy and kind of judgy, but we wanted to encourage people to try more vegan cooking. So it, it started as an idea. It built into a, a, YouTube, a Facebook channel and a YouTube channel. Then it became a cookbook. And now we've been doing it for about eight years and we employ 12 people. Yeah.
0: That's proper. wild, and because I bet eight years ago, were you still based up north then? Like, no, do, we were no. in London. Yeah. Do you we, think it's easier having like created that kind of thing? Doesn't it feel like
2: everything happens in London? Like I love I Sheffield. Know, Sheffield's I awesome. Our mates are up there. It's in the Peak District, but you do have a certain hustle in London yeah. that I don't feel when I go to Sheffield. Yeah, that's true.
1: Having said that, though, there are creators of of note who are popping up here, there and everywhere, all up and down the country and all over the world. That's true. There's a girl who has popped up in the vegan scene recently called Maya who runs a page called Fit Green Mind. She's in Germany in like a relatively small rural area and she's just blowing up, just cooking vegan food all the time, it's great
0: well because like also both you have um, a, both of you together have a background in fashion and also like digital yeah. kind of platforms I'm right?
2: the nerd and he's the fashionable one but like <laughs> together the geeky that's The like
0: marketing dream like, team, dream yeah, team. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. that's great I don't know
2: if we ever saw it like that but yes it's probably <laughs> true yeah but
1: it's funny because uh, so I worked firstly on a shop floor and then as a buyer in the fashion industry but Henry works in the tech side of the fashion industry mm. where he was basically that's true. Yeah, yeah so I think that with the fashion industry comes trends mm-hmm. obviously and you kind of get a radar for, for for what's cool and what's sort of popping off and um, we were definitely early to the party of veganism and I think it's probably because our radar was up for like
2: what's going on what's What's part of the cultural zeitgeist but but it's also like it's so important to find something to do with meaning that you believe in and having both worked in jobs that we didn't necessarily enjoy or buy into when we found something that was not only something we could spend our lives doing but something we believed in a purpose we believed in it was an obvious just decision to go yes let's put all our time into this and even still today eight years on I never begrudge going to work because yeah. I know I'm doing this for a reason. Mm-hmm. And when everybody's, as they are a bit at the moment, talking about, you know, ultra-processed food or vegan yeah. meat is junk meat and all of this kind of stuff. I was going to ask stuff. you about well, we, that. We should definitely talk about yeah. <laughs> that later. But there's, there's, there's a bit of a, you know, there's been a build-up of vegan stuff in the media, but now there's a bit of a breakdown of it. But it doesn't matter. Because no. we're still doing our job. And this little, what people say is kind of irrelevant if you know, if you know what you're doing is for the right reason.
0: No, absolutely. I, I mean, I was going to say... Sometimes, you I know, mean, my sister is a devout vegan. I had to batch cook for her when she, through both pregnancies, so... Wow. Um, Good for you. Yeah, like, well, I did it a little bit. I must admit, I wasn't like... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and sometimes yeah. I did shove cheese in there. She did allow that sometimes. Um, <laughs> just don't <laughs> Josh, tell her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, when you hear these things like, oh, you know, veganism is just, like, reserved for the middle class or the yummy mummies or... I mean, why do you think people see it as expensive? Because surely, like, to get a can of, like, lentils or... You know, mm. of course, if you go down the ultra-processed stuff, that actually is more expensive and not good for you right
2: well there's, it's a it's an interesting one right because even the phrase ultra processed is a little bit of um it's a little bit of a red herring shall we say okay yeah um people are bandying that around when they talk about vegan meat but they if they're not also looking in their sh- the rest of their shopping basket and thinking is my ice cream ultra processed is my baby formula ultra processed is my protein pasta ultra processed <laughs> then actually it, it, in there may lie a little bit of unconscious bias that has been fed by the media. Um, No. Yeah, who would have thought? Never. (laughs) So much of the food that we eat has been made in factories, and that's just something that happens. Um, Vegan meat, actually, on the whole, is pretty good. There's some that's better than others, of course. And the process that they make it is just like making bread. But because it's new and because there's a little bit of kind of uncertainty around it, we're all a bit scared of it now.
0: And I I think also it fits into the times too, like people like to put things into boxes and like see things like literally in black and white and whatever, like you see it in wine too.
1: Yeah, and yeah, I mean, there's... I'm going to finish the point on, um, on cost because you mentioned cost oh, yes. as well right? yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Um, plant based food it does have this kind of uh, perception that it's really expensive and the only people who can afford it are kind of like white middle class well to do affluent people but in actual fact That's just a nonsense because really like the best way to look at plant-based food is to look at your Sunday roast, right? Yeah. So if your average atypical Sunday roast, you've got a plate full of food and on there is like a whole bunch of stuff. But the most expensive thing on there by a country mile is the piece of beef right and it's the same with the chicken same with the lamb same with the pork like the the vast majority of your Sunday roast is made up of ingredients that are actually very cost effective and super super tasty if you know how to cook them now like plant based food can be definitely the most cost effective way to eat just as long as you prepare before you go to the supermarket and if you don't buy the packet stuff that you were saying before you can buy those massive tins of chickpeas or bags of lentils all the fresh fruit and veg from the essential range it forces you to yeah just eat
0: and before you know, it, is what we should be doing. If, yeah.
1: if you go vegan and you, and you plan what you eat, I bet you, I genuinely bet you could cut your uh, your food bill down by
2: a half. Well, we did a book on it. So yeah. It, in, I, in, did, you know, it, it I, I did it. I did it the in the LA
0: because I was trapped there during the pandemic and I wasn't making as much money, quite frankly. Mm. And I was like, well, how's how do I cut down costs? And I just like I basically was like, yeah, let's do veganism, and it, it really yeah, it good. was amazing it's actually. So <laughs>
2: It's so easy. And I think the thing is, it's kind of, it can be a bit boring if you're just eating nothing but fruits and vegetables and whole grains. Um, But that is, that's vegan food. So what our mission is really is to get everybody away from this pointing fingers at one another and saying, you do this, you should do this, yada, yada, yada. It's like, let's all just celebrate plant-based food, realise it can be tasty, and then everyone can do whatever they want. Do whatever they want with it. There's plenty for everyone. Rather than we all have to have an argument about which side of the fence you're on, which that's not fun for anyone. Definitely not fun at all.
0: Um, I'm going to bring out before we move on because I know we keep on like alluding to your like wonderful wonderful uh, world of like plant based food Um, before we get there I just wanted to bring out the other wine which I've matched amazing Mm. Um, I must admit this leaned in just because I had the pleasure of talking to Ian I didn't get a chance to talk to you before this like and he said to me the kind of uh, wines he liked so it's based off that but I hope that you like this too and then the next wine ties into a bit more with you
2: I can't wait hopefully I get it right yeah hopefully I normally don't like things that Ian like just you know by default. <laughs> <laughs> this looks beautiful. Yeah, by the so we've now
0: yeah I know I'm doing this in a very interesting order. We start off the very light red, mm. and now we're going for this rather opulent golden yeah. yellow white. Yeah, what a colour. Based on um yeah. Ian, you said that you love Chardonnay. Yeah, this is a proper Chardonnay. And you love uh, Napa mm. by California. Well, you like Burgundy. I And I also, I wanted to have something from California because mm-hmm. I'm half Californian. California. But, uh, yeah, um, I'm not saying what it is, and I'll just be curious to see what you
1: okay. think. It's okay. It's got that Chardonnay nose. It does have a, it. yeah. It it it, it smells cuz some if you get like a Chardonnay that's not that great you smell it and it's like uh, it just smells like white wine. But then Chardonnay has a very specific kind of floral aroma and that's this is what that's got. Delicious.
0: So I haven't said what it is. Okay.
1: Is it not Chardonnay? No. It's not Chardonnay.
0: <laughs> what is it? It's meant to be like a similar to a Chardonnay. Oh, so, so I serve it to my friends because it's exactly the same. It's like, it's from Napa Valley. Yeah, okay. And normally if you get Napa Valley Chardonnay, it's so, so expensive. But I wanted to show you something which is different, which, but still it smells, it has been barrel aged and then fermented. Yeah. So you do still. And what get, is it? What, what, what's the grape? The grape is Roussanne. I've never even heard of that. Exactly. No one, I, I also love to like love share, that. so like cool. um, share this grape because it comes from the Rhone Valley. So you probably would have had it, but it would have been shoved into a blend from like Southern Rhone. Um, um, and what I love about it is it gives that really silky texture. Mm-hmm. It's like curd-like, mm. you know? And also what you tend to get with Rosan is kind of floral aromatics. So what you're picking up in terms of floral aromatics was absolutely there. Yeah. And it tends to always like have like a quince or white mm. peach.
1: Bit kind of, of thing. Bit of honey in there.
0: Yeah, a bit of honey, yeah, exactly. For good measure. And um, I just, I love it because you just don't normally find it on its own. And it can age for years, but this is from Carneros. So out, um, but Truchard um, is the name of the winery family run um, and I just like wanted to and it's from Carneros Napa um, and not you don't I don't think you get much rosan planted in Napa it's mainly Chardonnay but now there's kind of a a movement in Napa being like actually you know they did used to have loads of white grapes here pre-prohibition they were just like all grubbed up so I'm just like really excited to see how this grape does, particularly with climate change, because it is able to retain acidity, okay. unlike Chardonnay. So uh. I don't know. This could very well be the new face of Napa. Wow. So this,
1: so it's a really hardy grape that stands up to a lot of hot.
0: Well, I think it does somehow like retain because it, yeah, it can withstand the Rhone Valley. Like mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have been to the, like southern Rhone that like gets really really hot, like yes, I have, and stuff. Yeah. Um, and it somehow still manages to retain its acidity. So I don't know. Like, I've got um, some aged, like, um, from Donelan Winery, actually, a and So, like, also from California. But um, I just wanted to see what you think. Because it's, it's 30 pounds. But I actually think it does what you want a mm-hmm. kind of uh, Napa Chardonnay to do in terms of its opulence, its lovely peachy yeah. fruit. But you have more acidity. And I just love that silky, satiny yeah. texture. Mm. It's,
2: the, it's super easy drinking as well. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. you can
1: put that right down. And also, do you know what? I think it's worth the 30 quid just for the party trick. Because you'd be yeah. like, hey, what do you think this is? Oh, it's definitely yeah. Chardonnay. Oh, yeah. it's 100% Chardonnay, that. No.
0: But yeah, it's, it's because delicious. it's a grape which no one's heard of, they can charge, like, even though it's been like barrel aged and fermented from amazing sites, and True they're an amazingly run, family run business. Mm. Because it's kind of a grape no one's really heard of, Mm. that's where you can get your value. So have you been out there to the Napa Valley? I have. I used to be um, an ambassador uh, for the California Wine Institute. That was a wonderful gig. Mm. And uh, my family were originally from Mendocino, which is northern California. So it's much cooler. So that's where you get lots of sparkling wine. And almonds. And almonds. And they had apple orchards.
2: So so we actually are ambassadors for California almonds. No! And we're
1: going there in, um, is it January. Is it Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah. We're going do
0: you go to Mendocino. We're
1: going to
2: Mendocino in yeah. Yeah. Oh, because so because they beautiful. grow almonds out there and you know we first of all we're big fans of vegan food and yeah. almonds are great nuts. Um, but also we talk a lot about climate change and right now almonds are getting a bit of a bad rap.
1: Yeah, and they shouldn't do because they are f- fantastically healthy and there's a lot of misinformation. Again, not dissimilar to ultra processed yeah, food. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lots of misinformation about how uh, they, they they suck too much water out the ground. But that is nonsense that the, the amount of water in California is in direct correlation to how much rain falls in the Rockies yeah so um, it's so
0: not that they're taking away yeah
2: exactly. so we love to talk about nuts and exactly. we love to cook with nuts because so, you know they're very important yeah. sorts of
0: fat and protein except one of you doesn't like walnuts
2: uh, I'm okay with walnuts I,
0: I,
1: do you know what um, if I, I just was, remember reading I was, those okay. I, all, I don't know where you read that but like, I, was, I would say um, right so walnuts are probably my least favourite nut really <laughs> however, however
2: however, they're right? so good for your brain though yeah really good they for really important and yeah. um,
1: why are they good for your brain because they look like the brain exactly <laughs> <laughs> do you know what walnuts are also really good for what right if you've got scratched wooden floor you get a walnut and you chop it in half and you rub it into the scratch and the walnut like catches on the scratch and stays in there. And it just, it's like, it's like a, it's like Tippex
2: for scratch in a wood. There you go, more tips. No yeah. way. seriously. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so many tips coming oh, out I know, in this podcast. Glasses, yes, yeah. wine. But you know, the best nut is of course the macadamia. Um, oh. That's the tastiest nut. The they're mac-dadi. expensive. They're absolutely Please tell me they drain the
0: planet of resources.
2: I mean, everything does a little bit, right? Whatever you're looking at, even yeah. people talk a lot about avocados, right, coming from South America. And it's true, like, they do give off a bit of CO2. It's about 200 grams of CO2 for an avocado that's been shipped across the planet. But if you had the same amount of steak, local steak, it's four kilograms of CO2. So there's a little bit of misinformation out there. And, um, Depending on what
0: they want to sell. We yeah. just
2: need carbon labelling. That's what we should have yeah. in stores so that people could know the truth. But annoyingly, we still don't have that. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, alcohol is labelled on a bottle of wine. Yeah. And, and we can got... even have carbon labelling yeah. on, on
0: wine yeah. and on beer. And I think actually, I, I think if it did say vegan or sustainability, because actually, so many wines, and I've deliberately chosen wines all today, which are like, vegan-made, so I just Thank also you. want to say... Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, Perfect. But you told me about an app called Barnivore. Oh, yeah, you've never heard of that one? Yeah. Uh,
1: it, it, well, I suppose, if you're not plant-based, then you wouldn't have heard of it, but, yeah. Barnivore is a really great resource for people if they want to check if Uh, An alcohol is vegan or not it's super quick you just go on there you type in the 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 brand or whatever and then it says yes or no and then you know if to buy it or not
0: so great i've learned a lot before we move like from the personal section um i just had to ask like while we have like your wine in front of you both of your mums taught you how to cook they very Mm. much like set you up for this this journey what is your favorite dish which you learned from them and can you still eat it now
2: oh that's a great question so so my mom would have um she first taught me how to make a vegetarian lasagna she was not, she taught you yeah she was not vegetarian um right. but that was just one of her dishes
0: Amazing. I,
2: I remember that veggie lasagna it was kind of um you would sweat off the aubergine maybe a bit of courgette it was pretty much ratatouille Yum. with then layers of cheese sauce lots of parmesan Uh, A white sauce with some cheddar in it as well layers of that and then obviously the lasagna sheets and I remember cooking that with her and I learned how to cook and I'm I'm forever grateful for her for teaching me that recipe Um, but I think I would probably do a better job nowadays sorry mum if you're listening (laughs) um, but we have actually made quite a few veggie lasagnas nowadays and I think we've perfected the lesson that she gave me when I was about 10 years old
0: yeah oh Never could veggie lovely. lasagna yeah no, no, no. Yeah, i think
2: two of the best recipes in our first book bosch were both came out
1: of henry's brain they were the uh, pesto lasagna the, the, be-
2: the world's best pesto lasagna yeah and the creamy
1: one the rich and creamy lasagna yeah they, yes. they are like literally yes. we this that book's five years old right and we still to this honestly at least once every fortnight we get someone
2: messaging saying just cook that lasagna yeah. best lasagna i've ever had it, but it's a labour of love, the yeah. lasagna, of course. Any lasagna Any, is going to yeah. take you two hours, three yeah. hours. And you should put wine in it. And the good thing about spending two or three hours cooking it is you can have a bit have of a the glass. wine yeah. at the same time.
0: alongside. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mine's also um, a pasta thing that, like, inspired me to cook a little bit. Now, um, my parents were, uh, well, my mum was a nurse, my dad was a teacher, and um, food was very much fuel in the Theesby yeah. household. So it was like Saturday, you'd go to the supermarket, it was Summerfield at Ecclesaw Road, for those of you who know Summerfield at yeah, sort of Which is
2: now Co-op, uh, co-op, co-op yeah. isn't it? Yeah. It's a little
1: supermarket. Yeah, place. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Sheffield lads, born
0: and hey, i Hey, I've written a lot about Co-op wines, yeah. Oh, co-op okay. Wines, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm oh,
1: good good. There you go. Anyway, so um, yeah, we go there on a Saturday, get all the bits and bobs, and because, um, you know, they were busy, 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 my dad's coming in home late from work, my mum's maybe got nights as a a nurse, it was kind of like every day had a dinner. And it just so happened that Monday nights was the night where my dad was going to be coming in really late because he had marking to do, my mum was going to be going to work, and uh, basically no one else was be able to cook the dinner. So they tasked me with cooking spaghetti bolognese. And uh, I think over the course of maybe two or three years of cooking it every Monday, I got quite good at cooking spaghetti Spaghetti bolognese. Bolognese. And obviously it's a dish that we can't eat as the original form because we don't eat beef anymore, but we have veganized it. And uh, the the spaghetti bolognese is, is, yeah, we've got a few of them and they're, they're really great. And what we've done is replaced beef mince with mushroom mince.
0: Oh, wow, because then you get, like, the really umami, savoury, like, satisfying element. Yeah, and
2: we cooked that on this morning uh, recently (laughs) with Andy Peters and Rochelle... Rochelle uh, uh, Humes. Rochelle Rochelle Humes. Oh, wow. What was really interesting after we cooked it, it was wonderful, wonderful. It felt so natural. We love cooking on there. It feels like being home. But after it, both Andy and Rochelle said to us, yeah, that was delicious, really, really loved that. But we don't go for too much of the processed, you know, vegan stuff. And it's just crazy how... Everybody says it yeah, now. It's, it's, it's just so, wow. everyone's thinking I didn't
0: realise there'd been such a. Oh, it's it's so a pervasive! Yeah. It's so
2: pervasive. It's in on the top tip of everybody's tongues, and it's just funny how the human psyche and human collective psyches work in this way.
0: Yeah. The only thing which comes to mind for like processes like vegan cheese
1: vegan cheese is I mean it's heavily processed in the sense that there needs to be a process but then again there's a heavily heavily, heavy process when you're making dairy based cheese and
2: and even even if you think about um maybe not if you've got a nice little Welsh farm and he's just got some sheep out there but most farming is also a process yeah it's just that's how we make food to feed a country I mean bread processes Bread. Yeah. It's like, it Pasta.
1: doesn't grow on a tree? Pasta, <laughs> ice cream, a bread tree. All the good things. Yeah. In fact, there is the bread fruit, though, isn't there? Oh, that's true, yeah. The bread fruit. You, you know. No. that. It, well, it's, it, does, it kind of maybe. Why is bread fruit called bread fruit? Probably because it's got the same sort of dense texture as I sourdough bread. I have no bread. idea. Google it, who, if you're listening. <laughs> 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 Answers on postcard.
0: And we'll move on to the next wine. <laughs> so we're moving on to the third wine. Which is Spanish, because Henry, anyway, I hear that you have yes. a real connection with Spain, I do. and you love kind of like Spanish cooking. So actually. Um, the winemaker behind this used to be the head sommelier of El Bulli oh, wow. in Spain. Yeah. Incredible. And now he's One of the best off-
2: restaurants in the world. Yeah. Exactly. Mm.
0: And now he works with grapes. There's like kind of three main wine regions he works with in Spain. Um, but this is from Galicia. Nice. And so it's got like, it's like a wonderful bre- blend of, I'm going to, just so I get the percentages right, 89% Trejadora, which I love. It's a grape from Spain, which is really aromatic, really floral, kind of like star anise, kind of tie-bound. Great. 5% Godeo, which um, is basically like, I think it's better than Albarino. Everyone knows there's 5% of Albarino. 5% Godeo is like similar to Albarino, but even fleshier. And then like 1% Luera, which if you can pick up, really impressed. And um, yeah, I wanted to have something like basically he's taken from this very cool climate, obviously known for its seafood, its coastline. But um, like these um, wonderful grapes, which get enough sunshine so that you can have these very aromatic fruity notes. But it's really, it's got a lovely little saline coquettish tang on the finish. Mm. And it's really textured. And I know that your new book is all about texture. And what this guy has done is I want the purity of the fruit to come through. Mm. So for four months, what he did was basically let the juice of the wine rest on the dead yeast cells, like after the fermentation process. So then it sounds gross. But... That is basically what gives you extra rounded mm. fleshy texture without having to put it into oak and therefore like subdue the aromatics and everything else going on. So I thought like this is actually, it's a really gastronomic wine. Mm. I think it would work well with all kinds of flavors in vegan food. And I knew that you were going to be bringing um, along some various, like, um, Lebanese-inspired, like, flatbreads and things, but I thought it would stick up to that. But um, it's also just a really fun Spanish white. Yeah,
2: wonderful. Well, thank you, first of all. (laughs) Uh, It's absolutely gorgeous. There's a real tang to it, a real kind of uh, sharpness. And interestingly, we have made you some Lebanese-style lamb flatbreads, which we have have in front of us. And instead of lamb, because obviously we don't cook with lamb, We've used a thing called tempeh.
0: Oh, I love tempeh. You,
2: you, know, you know tempeh, It kind though? of sounds
0: like it gives up halfway through. It's like tempeh. Tempeh. It's like, you know, but um, I love it, yeah.
2: But do you know what tempeh is?
0: Um, some kind of protein.
2: It is a protein? Yes, yeah, yeah, Well done. definitely. So tempeh is, is similar to tofu. It's like tofu's more sophisticated older brother. And it's cultured tofu, effectively. So it's kind of like cultured soybeans. Mm. But the way they culture it is they mix it with uh, a fungus, which doesn't sound... Sexy. Mm-hmm. Um, I just talked about wine it, it, mixed with dead yeast cells. I think exactly, we're on a par. Exactly, exactly. I There's think a we're link on here a par. And you, you end up with mm-hmm. a um, essentially a, a firm, nutty tasting protein, but it does have a sharpness, mm-hmm. almost um, a kind of fizziness, nutty fizziness, which goes incredibly well with this wine. Oh, so oh you, my gosh. you really nailed that. Yeah, there it is. It's perfect. Yeah, because
1: the, the, <gasps> the yeasty... You know, it's kind of, this. This does have like a mild fizz on the tongue. Yeah, it makes right. me like think FF of tempeh. Essence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, yeah. It's a perfect pairing. Well done. The... Oh,
0: I'm so happy. Um, just so for people listening, um, you can actually pronounce this better than me. The name of the wine. Okay.
2: Uh, well, I mean, first of all, I would say my Spanish is okay. I'm certainly, certainly Basically not a professional. Uh, Manar dos Sechas. Manar dos Seychas. Seychas. Yes.
0: And um, it's got a really great, like, on all of his wines, he seems to have some kind of birds or like hens or something. that's meant to be having fun. Um, and it's 17 pounds. Wow, okay. And I just Very think reasonable. something that's like serious and mm. complex and textual yeah. um, would he's work. It so. feels like
1: he's missing a trick. If, he, if someone charges 17 pounds or something, they could probably charge 20.
2: Yeah. And I, obviously, that would go great with a paella, right? Yeah. yeah. We, we right. put a uh, paella in our first cookbook. In fact, like the reason I love Spain is uh, we spent a lot of time there as a family when I was younger, when I was growing up. Uh, my mum and dad learned Spanish, I learned Spanish. We would hang out with this proper uh, countryside. They would call them campesinos, like a proper country family down in Murcia, down in Spain. Oh, yeah. And um, we would hang out with them in their little townhouse. in. It was Molina de Segura in Murcia, which is like proper, like the heartland, proper, like farmers, country people. But then we would go out on the weekend to their farm. And it was, you would have... Paella. All the family would turn up, you'd sit around the fire, they'd make a paella on the fire and you'd have it together. And this wine would have gone perfect there. And what, what's the best bit of a paella? Um, oh, it's a socarrat. It's the go. kind of little burnt bit on the base that you, you basically fight over that bit. That crunchy bit. Yeah, the crunchy love that yeah, crunchy yeah. bit. But do you know, for me, the best bit, actually, because they used to call me strong taste boy <laughs> when in my first job, it's the lemon on top. For me, I love acidity. Yeah. I love lemon. I love spice. I love sharpness. Anything, any strong flavour, I'm in for that. And yeah. so, uh, yeah, for me, it's the lemon.
1: That is all, That I mean, I can see why you'd love this wine because it is quite, it's, it's strong and different yeah. and yeah. interesting. Perfect and it's for
2: strong taste boy. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I can imagine you put, like, ripping your T-shirt and then there's the strong taste boy That's logo. my superhero <laughs>
2: name <laughs> Strong taste boy. You can already yeah. see what's next yeah. on your merch.
0: So the next um, book. Exactly. <laughs> But actually, speaking of which, so you've had, okay, we, we need to wait for the merch on, in that regards, but you've had your own ITV1 show, yes. Living on the Veg. I was just curious, because like I love chatting with you, you now, it's like, such fun, but do you enjoy, obviously we're doing a podcast, but do you enjoy being in front of the camera, or like, what are some of the behind the secrets of like food shows? Like, what is the whole, like, here's one I made earlier kind of vibe? Yeah. Or You know, does that feel natural to you? How do you make it work?
2: Do you know what? There's a funny story. That show was, um, it was a wonderful thing to shoot. It was really hard work. So uh, we did, we were cooking five recipes a day over the course of three weeks to make 10 episodes. Yeah. Usually, if you're making a TV show, you'd probably spread that out over about six weeks of filming. Mm. So it was very compressed, quite low budget. And so you'll see there were no little VTs where you'd go off and go to a farm or go and do whatever. It's just us in the kitchen cooking. So it's quite a boiler room. But honestly, two thirds of the way through that show, my granddad died. And I remember I came off from filming, which is incredibly intense. We've got a crew of 15 people filming us. And I walked out and everyone was looking at me kind of weird. And um, yeah, poor Bruce, God rest his soul, wonderful chap, had sadly passed away. So I had to walk out into richmond park on my own have a little cry go back in 15 minutes later back on film back on camera and i think that's that's a great way to understand what it's like behind the scenes is it is just hardcore Mm. and i've got so much respect for people who cook on tv or present on tv because it's hard going and you can't let your emotions come to the surface it's so true yeah um
1: yeah it's quite nice that bruce knew that you were doing that um TV show. Because yes. I mean like that yeah. TV show was the UK's first ever platform. That's what I thought because obviously show, right? you
0: were the first ever big digital platform yeah. to like you started Kickstarted that eight years ago. Mm-hmm. And then how long... Then it was the cookbooks, right? And then the
1: cookbooks and then the and TV show And then the show TV show. Uh, right, uh, in 2020. So we filmed it in 2019. Uh, but, like, yeah, it's nice that Bruce got to know that you were about to become, like, a, essentially a guy on the TV. That's yeah. kind of cool for a granddad, right? Yeah, and then totally. he's got his grand, grandson going on the telly. Yeah. But it's just a shame that he didn't get to see the show. Yeah. But there Well, are... he did,
0: I'm sure, like... Yeah, yeah. in from heaven, somewhere. From heaven. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I'm sure. Yeah.
2: There are other secrets. So there is always a home ec, right? There's always a food tech behind the scenes helping make everything taste and look amazing. So James May actually did a show Cooking with James May where he just brought the home ec out. So it's like breaking the fourth wall and showing actually there's someone else helping us cook this food here. Obviously,
0: like, yeah, we've talked about your amazing merch which you're about to bring to the market but um, what do you think is still missing in the market and what's the future of veganism? Um,
1: I think veganism's got quite an interesting Future Uh, and I think one of the the main things about the future of veganism is that more people are going to be eating food That happens to be vegan whether or not they like it or not and because essentially what? what we faced it with at the moment is kind of a, essentially a climate crisis. Now it might not feel like it when it's lashing down with rain or if it's freezing cold in the winter, or if it feels like a normal summer to stay, but there's really smart people doing really intricate work who are basically saying that, yes, the planet is warming up. And one of the biggest drivers for that warming is our food system. So at some point down the line, you would hope that international governments would go okay, we're going to need to start taxing um, the, the perpetrators of this climate crisis more. So I think that ultimately, there is a, I can see a world in which meat becomes really expensive, like prohibitively expensive, and people will be forced to start getting more creative with vegetables because it's just better for the planet. So I can see it like becoming a big part of food culture, whether or not
2: we like it or not. And that's just like the first thing. Yeah. Uh, and and we're, we're seeing that. We're seeing that, like, at the coalface. We, we have got a little bit of a negative swell around veganism, but people are still buying vegan food. They're still buying it in supermarkets. And um, what's really interesting is these big corporations who either employ thousands of people or have chains of restaurants, they all have what they call ESG um, targets targets, and and they're looking to get to net zero because it's what ethical businesses should do. All businesses are trying to be better now and one of the ways to do that is to just serve less meat because you can cut your carbon footprint through food so it is happening and it's wonderful and I think we're also just gonna see the end of these arguments the end of this uh, almost bipartisan between vegans and non-vegans and just everybody can have a bit of vegan food from time to time and we don't have to stress about it
0: flexitarian lifestyle Flexitarians
2: work for the win absolutely.
0: Before we move on to the next wine I know you're both very into keeping fit Mm -hmm. and healthy I read somewhere that you actually noticed that your hangovers were better since going vegan is that, is that really true?
1: That, How? That is true because the, um, I think that because vegan food is naturally a little bit lighter so it, uh, and it carries more fiber. And it ah. is naturally, if you eat veganism properly as in like whole food plant-based, which we try and do most of the time. It's just a bit healthier. So you naturally feel a bit healthier and your body is stronger and ready to fight off the hangover that can come. Um, I know like if I get a bad hangover now, it's probably because I've A, drunk the wrong booze and drunk too much of it and C, because I've eaten maybe like too much pizza or whatever. But if you have a nice couple of glasses of wine and uh, you've eaten a nice sort of healthy salad with uh, some roasted sweet potato and some quinoa or whatever, then the next day you feel right as rain and good to go.
2: Have you heard of the Blue Zones?
0: So I have, but please enlighten people who haven't. Yeah, so
2: the Blue Zones is a, it's a series of books. There's also a TV show on Netflix. And they're looking at people who live to 100 and thinking, what are the similarities between these groups of people? There are certain places in the world where more centenarians live than anywhere else, like Okinawa in Japan or Sardinia. And one of the features that is common amongst these people is, believe it or not, wine at five and it's not a lot of wine but it's there's two two reasons why it's good in theory to drink wine at five one is loads of antioxidants uh, which is a great thing for getting these kind of nasty free radicals out of your body which can cause problems but the other is just if you're having wine at five on a fairly regular basis but just one glass it's causing you to relax and stress is a killer Mm. so the blue zone study would encourage you to drink a glass of wine at five every day I'm not saying you should, but that's what
1: they say. I, I'm saying you should. And do you know what? What's more, I'm going to say that if you're drinking wine at five, you should probably drink the next wine that Melia's picked out. Because what is that this? Is a bonfire in a glass. That is utterly delicious. What are we, what are we drinking? Sip.
0: So I deliberately, I wanted something to go with a coffee and walnut cake. Mm. and so I deliberately, when oh, I Jesus. chose the wine, Wow! I was like, oh, and as soon as I chose it, I was like, oh my God, I'm getting coffee on this. I'm kind of, I'm like, bourbon fans would love this. This is
2: so smoky. It is. It's crazy. so bourbon You're it's so right. It's so
0: bourbon-y. It's
2: delicious. It's wow. so smooth.
0: It's so smooth. It's so juicy, um, and it's actually from Georgia. Georgia? And it's made from the Saparavi grape, which is native to Georgia. Georgia it's in Europe,
2: Samaravi. not Georgia America, Georgia yeah. in Europe. Yeah, Georgia in Europe, okay. exactly,
0: so Georgia, where they have been making wine for allegedly 8,000 years Mm. and they would argue that they were actually the oldest wine producing country in the world and um, the winery is called Badoba and it's got that amazing, amazing label ecclesiastical that's like like, a a
1: full sleeve tattoo you can imagine like Premier League football with that on his forearm
0: No, exactly. Exactly. And um, Badova actually means day of luck. So I thought it was a a fortuitous wine for us to have on the podcast. Yes. And uh, it's been made in amphoras. Uh, Well, kind of, they call them quaveries. So it's it's different to amphoras because they're actually these clay pots which are buried um, into the ground. Mm -hmm. And then they do the whole fermentation process. So this wine's quite interesting because like part of it's made in steel, part of it's made in American oak, the 20% Mm. American oak, which does give it that kind of mocha, coffee, intensity and then it and um, the rest has been made in this kind of like amphora-like setting which really adds to texture so it keeps the purity and it, again it gives that rounded plush opulence which i thought would work well with the coffee walnut cake so
2: i'm glad we brought you a coffee and walnut cake. i know yes. i'm so glad it like, perfectly you, delicious
0: um so uh, uh before we start yes. like so
1: we've had four wines yes that, even though I'm a like a guy who likes white wine, good yeah. white wine, that's my favourite. By a country that's so great. mile, mm. that is delicious. All the flavour. All it's, the flavour. Yeah, abs-
0: how much is something like this? Seventeen. It,
1: bed, really?
0: Oh, yeah. Wow. Because okay. again, it's Georgia people don't appreciate, wow. so you have to go for like the kind of unappreciated. If things. you told me that was
1: fifty quid, I'd hundred percent believe you. Would you have bought it though? Well, I, I buy it for seventeen. I buy two bottles <laughs> <balls> for seventeen.
0: <laughs> 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 From Liberty Wines. Now, I know we have to wrap up, but but before you leave... Yes. I can't let you go until you have answered this question. Do you still have plans to open up a vegan restaurant or a vegan cooking retreat? Because I'll be there.
2: Okay, well, I would say... Yes. We think... We've already created a vegan restaurant, and it's digital. So our vegan restaurant is a vegan restaurant for the world. First of all, you can buy your own ingredients and cook your own food. That's on Bosch.tv. Um, but also, we're going to be bringing Bosch food to restaurants across the country in January. <gasps> no so way. So rather than build our own restaurant, we want to get Bosch food into other chains, other chefs' restaurants, so that we don't have to do the restaurant thing because it's hard. And people who run restaurants should be super respected because it's so tough. It is so tough. So, so tough. Chefs are like some of the hardest workers
1: people in British society without any shadow of oh, yeah. doubt uh, and when it comes to retreats if we were to do a retreat we'd need you as this like the wine pair <gasps> yeah I could or do or like that. vegan yeah. I could
0: do like sustainable I could do all yeah. of those like kind of yeah
1: also another thing i
0: Yorkshire
1: do you have a um, do, do you like sort of curate a wine box
0: I do I I'm going to be that. curating
1: I'd buy that I'd oh. get that I'd, I, straight up I'd buy that
0: oh. on
2: the basis of what we've seen yeah. here today seriously four incredible wines I mean, seriously <laughs>
0: Well, thank you so much, guys, for your time. Um, You were great to chat to. Your food was delicious. I got to try my first Yorkshire wine, thanks to you guys. And you also inspired me with some vegan cooking for my vegan sister who lives next door. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And I can't wait to start cooking from your cookbook soon.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Well, thank you so much for listening, guys. I hope that this has inspired you to grab a glass and have a wonderful conversation with someone close to you. If you have enjoyed this episode, please can you like and review, because I've heard that this is how people can find me. And if you are interested in any of the wines featured in today's episode, all wine notes are included in the podcast description below. You can also find ways to contact me via my email, website, and social media handles. The common theme is at Amelia's wine. You do need to remember, though, that there is a hyphen between Amelia's and wine. Otherwise, it looks like Amelia's swine. Thank you so much again, and back in blessings.